Nelson in looking for Garza backs on and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. What's up, guys? It is not Sam Jones. It's Joe Padgett here, and we are here for Five Stripe Final. To, if you aren't aware, it's a highly distributed audio discussion, also called an Age Dad, and we're sponsored by Dirty South Soccer. We just recorded one, except we had a technical snafu, and Sam's recording was all glitchy and screwed up, and it's quite frankly too late to do it all over again, and we didn't want to wait to do it later in the week, so you're stuck with me. Isn't that nice? Let's talk about the game, shall we? It was pretty nice. We'd been clamoring for this for a while. Um, I think many of us have been wanting us to go with the 4-2-3-1. That was the big story. Tata Martino changes the team from a 3-5-2, which is what we saw, we've seen basically all, all season, except for I think twice they've started with a 4-2-3-1 against Houston and against Sporting Kansas City. Even against Sporting Kansas City, they had change in that game because they went down a man. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a big switch, and I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, coming off of, you're in the middle of a four-day, you have a four-day turnaround from New York, and quite honestly, you, you have tired legs. And it, the funny thing, it was the same exact starting 11, but um, went with the 4-2-3-1, and whether or not you thought it worked better or worse, I personally think it worked It worked well. Um it certainly showed how different it was. I mean, it was there was a lot of pressing, a lot of hassling the ball, trying to win midfield challenges or win, win interceptions in midfield, 50-50 balls. Atlanta United was very aggressive Wednesday night against Columbus Crew in trying to go after those battles and win them. As opposed to when we played in the 3-5-2, um, you know, we kind of sat back a bit. Sat back, um, let the team play in front of us and try the opposition team play in front of us um, and try to get them to pull forward and hit them on the break. That's not how the game played out uh, Wednesday night. It was very much Atlanta United on the front foot going after Columbus Crew, and it paid off. Um, of course, it didn't really factor into the way that they scored their first goal, which was just off a simple corner kick. Um, in fact, it was it was a Barco corner kick to the back post where Columbus just decided not to really mark Joseph that closely. He was able to find some free space, break his nose, score the goal. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't know if he actually broke his nose or not, but... Um, he did come off at halftime with, with a nose injury. Uh, we just saw some tampons stuck up the nose at some point, and there was blood on the towel, and it was a it was a whole big gruesome scene. We, I really don't want to have to relive it again, um, especially after we just I just talked about it with Sam through and through. So let's not go into that. And in the second half, I think that Atlanta United, you know, they kind of were doing a similar thing of holding on to the lead, hanging on to this lead, but they were they were doing it in a much different way than we've been seeing them do. Instead of uh, retreating backwards towards their own goal, they were fighting. They were out taking the taking the, the mass majority of the confrontation of the game away from Braguzan, in front of Braguzan, and taking it more into midfield and kind of playing the game there. And if, in that, so there were times when Columbus was able to break through. Um, and at that, at that point, you kind of rely on your defenders and players like Braguzan to make big plays, and they did. Uh, Braguzan had several key saves um, in the second half, especially, to kind of keep Atlanta in it. Um, but you have to give Atlanta so much credit for hanging in. And then, 
of course, Tito Vijalba gets subbed in late in the game, and he comes on and right away is making things happen um, and ends up getting a goal, which was a beautiful goal, actually one of the one of the prettier ones Atlanta United has scored this season in terms of just the build-up and the quality of the finish. It was, it was a great strike. So, um, yeah, overall, good performance. I don't think anyone's complaining. I think you would have to be uh, a real stubborn old whiny bastard to uh, be complaining after this one. It was a great game. Now, since Sam and I have already talked about all this stuff, but we need to talk about it again. And I'm just going to read through your questions. I'm going to pull up the Five Stripe Final Twitter account right now. And fuck it, we're doing it live. So we have... Josh Bailey asks a good question. He says he asks when are Tata and Berhalter finally going to make out? And this is something that I really wanted to get into because there was about a nice 10-second embrace, at least 10 seconds, of a lot of you know padding, close talking between Berhalter and Tata. It needed a. It was dying for an Instagram love filter. Uh, those guys have a lot of respect for each other. In all seriousness, um, I think they especially developed kind of a almost a kinship uh after the playoff game last year i thought tata kind of really respected what burhalter did how he had his team playing when they came into mercedes-benz last stadium last year and beat atlanta united in the playoffs um and burhalter same thing i mean he, he looks up to tata as you know he he understands his position in the game uh worldwide and i think that that's probably somewhere something that burhalter aspires to be um you know Probably a national team coach. We'll see about that. But, um, yeah, I think these guys really have a lot of respect for each other, but that was pretty funny. That was a pretty funny scene of them uh, in a nice, warming, love embrace at the end of the game. Um, Ryan Badman says, Who should we cheer on in the World Cup? Scrappy upstart, someone from South America. I need guidance. Ryan, there's only one team to be rooting for. The Super Eagles from Nigeria. Uh, they have amazing talent. They have an amazing... Twitter game, and well, to be honest, that's really all you need, in my opinion. That's all you need to uh, pick a great team, but they also have a great nickname, the Super Eagles, and they've got the best kits in the World Cup. We have another question from RJ O'Connell, who is coming with his brother to the Orlando game. This one's a little different, not quite about the game, but he's coming to the game uh, when we host Orlando in a few weeks, and it will be his brother's first game, wants to know how to make a good time of the trip. And my advice to you is, I'm assuming you don't have like a tailgate or something planned um, based on your question. So what I would do, just bring some beers in like a cooler or like some, not even a cooler, like a, like something you can walk around with. I would usually just bring like a, honestly, a, a grocery bag, um, put some ice in there, walk around with beers, man, and just go from tailgate to tailgate, talk to people. If you're walking around, you'll probably have some soccer balls, you know, like roll over to you. Um, from people kicking them around in, in the tailgates. So just, yeah, have it up, or uh, uh, live it up, have a, have a kickabout with some people. It's really fun. It's really fun, and uh, those are some of the best times I've had. You know, back before I was doing the whole press thing, I was I had a supporter section ticket. I still have a supporter section ticket. Um, and, yeah, I, I would go to the games in the supporter section, and I didn't really know what to do when I got there, but it's pretty, like, it's hard not to get involved with everything that's going on. You just kind of meet people and... Um, it's a great time, and especially it's a, an especially great time if there's a heavy downpour during the game. Like a, there's like a big like you know classic Atlanta five minute thunderstorm. 
Um, cause then you have to like scurry under people's cars and stuff, just anywhere you can find cover and then you're kind of forced to, uh, get involved with people. So, um, yeah, but you'll have a fun time regardless. Sit in this porter section if you want to get rowdy. If not, I would try to sit somewhere close to this porter section cause it's pretty cool. Um, let's keep going with, uh, at ATL Greg one says the formation switch upon bringing Tito eventually paid off, but should we have gone to three, five, two earlier? Gazan bailed us out again tonight. Uh, yeah, he, he kind of did. I mean, he made some good saves, but I think Tata was smart not to go to it too early. He was, um, you know, I think, I think one of the reasons he didn't want to do it is because he didn't want to invite pressure just like what happened against New York City FC. I think he wanted to take the game to Columbus and push the game away from Brad Guzan's net. And it, like I said, if, if Columbus was able to penetrate, then you have some, you, you still have a way to, to do some last minute to last ditch defending. Um, but I think it was just, you don't, you don't want to invite that pressure too early. And I think it was, we saw them go to the three, five, two, as soon as they got the two goal lead, once you get the two goal lead, boom, then you put on the third center back, lock it up. It's over at that point. Um, I kind of totally agree with, uh, the, what Tata Martino did with the team tonight, tactically. Uh, Teodal Football, one of our writers at Dirty South Soccer, says, asks if we are going to see Hereditary, and God, no. I don't want to see that movie. I've heard bad things, and by bad, it means it's probably really good, but bad. Bad, bad. I am intrigued, but mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Dansby... Wait, hold on. Hold on. This is Broccoli Joiner. At Broccoli Joiner says, uh, I don't understand. I'm not part of the team. Shit, people act like saving goals isn't what Guzan is paid to do. Oh, he was. That was a response to uh, to ATL Greg about relying on Guzan. Yeah, I mean, that's exact. Actually, that's a good point. That's exactly what you want. That's why you pay a top quality goalkeeper to come in. Um, you don't want to be, you know, relying on him to make saves, but you kind of have confidence that he. He will bail you out in those situations. Ah, one of our favorites, Kirk Cherbstreet, is in the mentions. He says, how sure are we that Franco Escobar isn't a center back? His legs are a little heavy for my liking. Just move Gressel to right back and let the fearsome foursome, Tito, Miggy, Josephine, Lilboat, destroy worlds. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he can play center back, uh, Franco Escobar. I actually thought he was good in this game. I think... Well, let me let me explain. Let me explain. Because he is my Lorenowitz man. He is my Lorenowitz man of the night. Just get to that early. He was not perfect, all right? Franco, Franco Escobar, it, he was a little over-aggressive with his positioning at times. Um, pushing maybe a little too far upfield than I would prefer. But I think that was kind of needed in a night like tonight. I think that with the team coming into this new... This new formation that they haven't played in so long with that brings along with it kind of a, a different type of mindset to press and to hassle and to chase the the opponent down the field. I thought Franco and in, in, in terms of that line of that line of directive, you know, he did great. I mean, he really he chased Columbus around like no one no one else on on the team. I mean, he he really gave them a hard time. Was he out of control from time to time? Yes, yes. But I thought I thought he provided a lot for us um, down the right side. He also had some overlapping runs that were pretty good. Um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed what he brought to the team tonight. So 
he will get better. I think I think for sure he'll get better, and I think he may be a center back um, down the line. Maybe he's like a Parker's replacement whenever Parker's uh, decides to retire. I don't. I mean, not that I you know. Hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon. Knock on wood. Um, but you know, he. I think Frank, Franco Escobar did play some center back when he was at. Uh, uh, I forget what his old was. He from Newell's. I think he's from Newell's. Anyway, I remember watching his highlight film, and uh, he definitely played center back there. Plays some center back and right back. I think they were actually playing a three at the back a lot, so he was playing that right center back role, which I think is probably the most ideal position for him. But he can play either one. I, I'm pretty sure. I think the only thing with moving. Franco Escobar to center back is just his ability in the air to win those aerial duels. Um, that would that would be my only concern with him. Um, let's see. We have another one about the stadium, the supporter section, renaming the supporter section stand. I will leave that for the supporters groups. They kind of... That's kind of their domain. I'm not going to tread on them, but it would be kind of cool to have a... Uh, this person is just, like, coming up with different name, potential names, like, for that end of the stadium. You know, like, the uh, in Anfield for Liverpool, they've got the cop end. You know, it would be kind of cool to have, like, an end or, like, a name for that stand. Manchester United has a Sir Alex Ferguson stand, that kind of thing. I think we've gone through most of the questions now. Um, but I did want to read out some of the questions that we had last week after the New York City FC game. Um, even if you did listen to the podcast, I'm not going to answer these questions, but I think it's just kind of funny to hear the questions um, because of how much different they are compared to the questions that are being asked after this game. Um, because of the way we play, it was just a, such a different way that Atlanta United approached the game tonight. It's kind of funny. Brett Crawford says, uh, when did we forget how to play out of the back? I thought we did that really well tonight between... Leandro Gonzalez-Perez and Michael Parkhurst and Jeff Lorena was forming a triangle. Uh, let's see, Gabe Gonzalez, after the New York City FC, asked, uh, can one of you guys let Tata know I'll give up my firstborn child to revert back to the 4-2-3-1? Gabe, I've got some bad news for you, buddy. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Um, let's see, and then finally, Zachary San Martin said, uh, is Atlanta United too defensive when leading both games versus New York? We have ceded possession and allowed NYCFC to play their game. And, yeah, I think uh, Tata Martino would agree with you, and that's why we change things. It's really interesting t- to kind of see the difference in the team this year between playing in the 3-5-2 and what we played a lot last year. I mean, last year we were barely second in the league in possession to Sporting Kansas City kept a lot of the ball, won the ball back a lot. And then this year has been completely different. We've been playing a lot without the ball, letting the other team have the ball, um, and trying to hit them on the break and counter counter with them. So I think that, you know, what we saw Wednesday night is uh, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. I think that this team has really shown that it's got another level it can hit. Um, we didn't quite see it all at once tonight because... You had Joseph coming out at halftime. You had Tito not being fit enough to start, so he was kind of a late sub. You didn't see you didn't see the those uh, we call them the four horsemen all together on the field at once. Um, but you can kind of see you can, you could see through their individual performances tonight how dangerous it might look. I mean, these guys these guys are super talented, and if they get into this style of setup where they are taking the taking the game to the other team. Guys, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. I actually thought, I, I, I was, you know, Barco, I, want, I did want to touch on Barco because I did talk about him quite a bit in my column that will come out um, Thursday morning. 
you know, I thought he had glimpses, and I, I just really think that left wing is kind of his spot, at least in this team as it stands for the rest of the season, and assuming we don't lose any of our any of our key playmakers in the transfer window. I think he's best set up on the left wing. I don't like him centrally. I like him on the left wing with a very simple instruction. You know, just just press the full, press the opposing fullback and mark the opposing fullback without the ball. And then with the ball, try to find... You know, when, when you're wide like that, sometimes it's easier to find some space to receive the ball. When you're centrally, there's just so many players around you in all directions that, especially for a young player like Ezekiel Barco, he might not just have the the game awareness to kind of know when there's a guy on his back, when there's not. Um, I think from the, when you, when you, when you move wide, you've got the sideline there. What the sideline provides you is just a little bit of um, information. It, it, it takes away the unknown. If you're in the middle of the field, there's an unknown behind you. Any, anything could be behind you, right? But if you're wide, you kind of know, where the space is going to develop, you can kind of you can kind of see. And of course, you know that's not to say he has to stand on the touchline um, all game. He can he floated inside and he did that tonight. And it's just easier for him from that wide position. I feel to see the pockets of space that he needs to move into that are a little more central. And then when he picks up the ball in those wide areas and he's running at the fullback, it is. I mean, it's a sight to see, guys. Like he, I'm. I've seen it up close, um, you know, reporting on the team at training and stuff when he, you know, just standing, standing right by the, right by the field while they're doing some scrimmaging. And it is, it is crazy. Like he can run up guys so fast and we saw it a couple times tonight. I think that when you integrate Tito and all these players into the team, it's only going to create more space and more opportunities for everybody, for everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. We've talked about how this this is one of the best performances, um, best results of the year. But it's pretty amazing, guys. Atlanta United has already surpassed their total road win, their road wins from last year. That is insane. I mean, we are like halfway through the season, yet we're not even at the All-Star game. Um, and they already have five road wins versus four last year. So that's just pretty incredible. It just shows kind of the mental- the different mentality this team has going on the road. Um, I think a lot of it is that they're just more accustomed to what traveling on the road in this country entails, you know, getting on planes, waiting in airports. They know what to expect now when they go on the road, as opposed to last year where these guys were new to it. You know, it was probably much different from what they had ever experienced before in leagues where they're probably, you know, traveling to most games by bus or that kind of thing. So I, th- I think that yeah, they just have a they have a great mindset on the road. They definitely go into all these games trying to win them, and uh, they tend to do that quite a bit. Uh, Atlanta United is in very good positioning now. They th- this was such a big win because they only have a few competitors right for Supporter Shield and Eastern Conference Championship, and Columbus Crew is one of those. And now with this win, they've really kind of put a gap between them and Columbus. It's now a six-point lead with a game, and Atlanta United has a game in hand. So that's a gap. That's a gap. And right now, it's only looking like New York City FC and Sporting Kansas City and FC Dallas are those are the those are the contenders right now for Sporter Shield. I would say Columbus, obviously, still a good team. No, no disrespect to them, um, but right now there's just a there's just a gap. Also, New York Rebels, you got to throw them in there. They have a lot of games in hand. They only have 26 points, but. They're only on 14 games played. They have two games in hand on Atlanta United. So, 
they could get into it, but always good to have the points on the board like Atlanta United does. They are in the lead for the Sporter Shield as it stands, and they're on over two points per game, which is nuts. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we're talking like two points per game is like what Toronto FC was on last year when they set a points record. So um, Atlanta United is looking really good. They've got a tough stretch. They're kind of in the middle of this tough stretch right now. They're, they're closing it out this whole month of June. is pretty tough. Um, they've got Dallas. Who else do they have? Portland, da- Portland, Orlando, and Dallas coming up. Um, Dallas is on 4th of July. And then after that, it gets much, much easier for Atlanta United. And then you're seeing Philadelphia, Seattle, who normally is good but aren't as good this year. D.C. United, Montreal, Toronto. They look like a pushover. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, but the, but the schedule gets much easier, um, after this June slate. So considering Atlanta United is already on two points per game, opening up a gap and they're kind of getting towards the end of the difficult part of their schedule and they're getting players back and they're kind of developing a sense of how to play in this four, two, three, one, it seems like a little better, man, watch out this, like I'm I'm looking forward. I'm getting excited. This is what happens. This is this always thing, bad. All bad things always happen when I get excited like this. Okay, so that's going to be it for me. Sorry about this short episode. Sorry you couldn't hear Sam and his dulcet tones. He has a much better uh, H dadding voice than I do. But just remember, we won. Things are awesome, and yeah, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be great. Why didn't I ever have bad thoughts? All right, I'm going to get out of here. Shout out! I gotta shout, dude. I'm gonna shout out for Sam, Johnny, John Obi, Mikel, Big Boy, and Lamar Burton. I know you're listening. And Jorge Feeler, Justin Veltlies, all the new folks at Communications, Jack White, and Clutchy Nacho. Shout out! And we will talk to you sometime next week. See ya.